Station 2, San Jose Avenue. From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to the Datebook Podcast. I'm pop culture critic Peter Hartlob, here today with wine critic Esther Mobley and style reporter Tony Bravo, talking about the new Netflix movie, Wine Country. Esther, this was filmed in Napa? Yeah, um, it was filmed mostly on location in Napa Valley. And uh, you see some great glamour shots of downtown Calistoga. They're walking through. You see that railroad crossing sign. Um, it was filmed um, at three actual wineries. Artessa, which um, plays itself, so to speak. Baldacci Vineyards, which in the film is um, a fictional organic winery called Morgan Yorn. And then Quintessa Winery, um, which uh, is very recognizable in the shots, although you don't actually see the Quintessa branding anywhere. And fun fact about Quintessa Winery, it's the winery whose owner, Augustin Huneus Jr., is um, indicted in the college bribery oh, wow. scandal. Wow. Yeah. Facts that you're going to learn on the <laughs> Datebook podcast today that you won't get in most reviews. Um, was there excitement around the film in Napa? Tons of excitement. Um, everyone I've spoken to, locals, wine industry folks there, has been really excited. Um, Wednesday night, last night, there was a premiere and um, locally in Napa, and I, I heard a lot of buzz about that. People were just so thrilled to see it. Well, Esther, I'm very happy to have you and Tony here. Um, light spoilers we're going to give, so it's not going to ruin anything big. This isn't the kind of movie. It's it's not Avengers Endgame. You it's know. not Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's not Game of Thrones. It's not Citizen Kane. <laughs> not Citizen Kane. Yes, Tony. Um, we'll give our little man ratings. We'll talk about wine stereotypes and talk about whether wine country is good for Napa Valley and wine country. Datebook Podcast. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Datebook Podcast, wine critic Esther Mobley and style reporter Tony Bravo. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having us. I am, I've been very excited about this because we're going to talk about wine country. This is our wine country breakdown. Wine country, new Netflix, is it a movie or a special? Movie, yeah. Yeah, feature film. Feature film, Amy Poehler's first directorial effort with basically all of her friends. Yeah, it's um, it's a it's a real life Napa Valley girls trip come to life um, based on a real trip that this group of former SNL actors and writers really took. And then they wrote a movie about it. And the cast is chock full of these SNL alum that we love. I mean, people that we also haven't seen a lot lately, too, like Anna Gasteyer. Yeah, it was great to see her. We're going to talk about the movie, what we liked and didn't like maybe a little bit of emphasis on the second part <laughs> um but anna gasteyer gasteyer i think so and um paula pell who is not as big a public commodity but a great actress and writer from 30 rock and snl over the years yeah rachel uh, dratch yeah rachel dratch love her debbie downer um there's maya rudolph there's Emily Spivey, another SNL writer who hasn't had a lot of screen time, but she co-wrote the movie with Liz Kakowski, another um, former SNL writer who has a bit part in the film. Um, I knew her from her role in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, actually. oh yes. Yeah, She's the one good. who goes, Luau? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Tina Fey. 
Yeah, Tina Fey, excellent. More and on, Amy Poehler, obviously. Yeah. Amy Poehler. Um, more on them. But I wanted to just get the background. The first I heard about this film, I think was Tony, you wrote a piece about the trailer coming out. I didn't know anything about it, and I'm like writing the, the fall and summer movie previews. This kind of felt like it snuck up on me. Tony? It snuck up on me for sure. I was really surprised. I don't know how much you were already in the loop, Esther. Um, maybe you were the only one that, that might not have been surprised. Did you hear anything about filming at any of the vineyards they used? Or? I had only heard, I only heard about it after the filming had finished. Um, yeah, I can't now remember exactly when it came on my radar, but um, it didn't seem like it was that long ago. Yeah, it was maybe a month ago that we saw the trailer for the first time. Um, the trailer, which I, I think reflects the culture of what I understand about sort of the more lifestyle-y side of wine country more than perhaps the film did. Yeah. yeah. Were people, was it buzzing around uh, Napa County? I mean, there aren't that many films that are shot in Napa County about Napa things. Esther, what was kind of the the feel, the vibe going on? Yeah, I, for the last, I again, I can't really remember the timeline, but let's say the last year or so, um, I've heard so many people get so excited about it. It's um, the canon of wine movies, as we can discuss, um, is short <laughs> and um, not all good. And um, the I, the fact that such a amazing star powered movie. Um, just the collection of actresses we're going to be filming in wine country. I mean, I, there was a lot of talk I was hearing from people in the wine industry. Is this going to be the bridesmaids of wine? Yeah, and of that's wine. how I heard it described, too. It's um, a couple of alumni from that film. Yeah. Esther, was this as exciting for you as it was for me, this specific cast of people? Like, I grew up watching yes. almost all of these. Th- these are my SNL from, like, the years when SNL was the coolest to me. Yes. Uh, for me, absolutely. I grew up watching these women on SNL, then uh, 30 Rock and Parks and Rec and all of the movies they made together, the kind of female answer to the guy's movies, the Judd Apatow set, and they're my heroes. I mean, and the idea that they were going to come together in Napa, my beat, where I spend so much of my time and intellectual energy, um, to me, this was just like a match made in heaven. And for me, the idea that they were going to have this very, it's a cultural experience now, I feel like, as much as it's an experience about the wine, going to wine country doing the main streets, buying the either kitsch or I'm running out of adjectives here (laughs) um, type of things that you get in in downtown and wine country. And um, I thought, wow, like it's now reached the point in our culture where the ladies wine weekend and all the things that come with that is getting its own movie. Like how great. Yeah. To me, it was this, when I heard about the film and um, saw that it was coming, my kind of thought was, wow, wine has arrived. I mean, there's this now larger mainstream audience for it. It's not this kind of niche, wealthy, older men, exclusive thing like the representations of wine country you've seen in movies like The Parent Trap where it's this kind of um, unattainable wealthy estate Um, suddenly I'm like wow um, this feels like enough of a thing um, women taking trips to wine country that this crew is making a movie out of that and um, yeah so my expectations were high maybe maybe too high 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's let's get into that. Um, I'm going to start. We're going to go with what worked and what didn't work. But I want to start with just your little man review um, using our little man system from clapping guy out of the chair to empty chair. It's a five point system. Um, what is your little man review? And in a few sentences, why? And we'll get into the what we liked and what we didn't like. But just quickly justifying your review. Esther, go. Okay, I'm not a date book columnist. I'm the little man who's like sitting up straight with his hat on his uh, knees. Uh-huh. Not the slouching one. Okay. The like third from the bottom. He's not asleep. He's not yeah. clapping. What do you call that one? He's interested. Little man sitting. Little, little man, man sitting, interested. yeah. So um, I, I think the I was looking up the rubric again this morning. Um, not great, not dreadful yeah. is kind of where I land. I thought the movie was perfectly enjoyable. Again, I think I'm also... Um, someone for whom it would have extra appeal. I watched it with my boyfriend who was cringing the entire time. I think he would have a different uh, (laughs) rating. But um, for me, it was a movie that um, was enjoyable to watch. It was not great. It had some great laughs. Um, It also had a lot of failed laughs. And um, again, I think I'm maybe my viewing of it was a little doomed because my expectations were so high and I'm so nitpicky when it comes to um, the things they got wrong about wine and about Napa. And there were many of those which we can discuss. Um, So that that kind of dampened dampened it for me. Tony, your little man review. I am also a little man sitting but not sleeping i <laughs> i would say sleeping just for the lower ranking but you're you're awake during this like you're alert and my uh my follow-up to that is a line from the film oof oof, <laughs> oof. oof. what oh. about you peter i i am a little man um sitting as well but i'm gonna get into a little bit of the uh the inner workings of the little man here thank you mm. like 90 percent no 90 not 90 percent 70% of films that we review are kind of right in that little man sitting area. And we always wish there was one between sitting and clapping where it's a little better than mm. like mediocre, a C, yeah. like a C plus B minus little man. And that's where I'd put this. We call it the uh, friendly three because the little man sitting is three in the numerical values for little uh. man. And we'll say like a friendly three generally, you're giving it the little man sitting, but your lead and generally your spin is going to be more positive than negative. Um, this was not a good film. No. Uh, it was not a well-made film. Nope. I, any thoughts that Amy Poehler is going to be like the new Jordan Peele, who right. you just can't wait to see what her next vision for filmmaking is next? No, this is not a good film. I think it accomplished its objective. And I watched it with my wife, who is square in this demographic. She's around the right age. Just got back from her Napa uh, outing three-day weekend with three of her friends. They didn't do Molly. And there was no paella. We'll <laughs> or at least they didn't tell you they did. But she was enjoying it. She would probably give it a clapping, guy. She was laughing, having a good time. Um, so intended audience I think is probably going to enjoy it more than the three of us did yeah if they're drinking yeah especially if they're drinking and you're with friends and I'm like little man two and a half I want one that's half a point between (laughs) paying attention and sleeping because you will not sleep in this but I just felt like yes there were maybe five places where I had really good laughs and there were about 50 places where to quote the film oof 
Yeah. Okay. We we will add you to the little man mutiny that's uh, <laughs> that's been generating lately because we want a little woman. We don't think it should just be a man. And I we, want a we little want they. Yeah, I think we need they. someone who's gender non-conforming. Come on. What worked and what didn't work with wine country? Um, let's start with what worked. And um, Esther, I don't know if the list is very long, but I'm going to start with you. What worked? Um, top of my list there is Tina Fey. Oh. Tina Fey was brilliant. I thought her character was hilarious. She plays Tammy, who is the owner of the rental home that the group um, rents. And uh, she's a lot more present than most of your Airbnb hosts probably have been in <laughs> yeah. the past. She's this straight talking, kind of gruff, single woman. She keeps bees. Widow, um, I believe. It's a right. very, it's very intentionally stated that that's her relationship status let's not give it away though she um makes edible organic soaps which i just found hilarious because napa it's for some reason this makes it into all of the like napa valley girls guides is to buy soaps organic soaps they're going on and on it's like this napa valley thing and also it doesn't seem like unrealistic we've written about far stranger things in napa both you and i than edible soaps it's just (laughs) great and at one point she like walks in with a plate of the organic soaps asking everyone like she's like here have one as if you're supposed to eat it she's got this hilarious water fixture that again is like to me that's like peak napa satire this decorative water fixture that she says costs seven thousand dollars and does absolutely nothing it looks like the pump from the miracle worker by the way (laughs) where helen keller learns the word water that's what i thought it was and i love um there's a great line where uh she says she owns five rental properties and one of the women says oh you must meet a lot of interesting people and she goes not really (laughs) (laughs) yeah Tina Fey. That's, Tina Fey that's worked. Tina Fey, who I believe is doing an impression of Melissa McCarthy mm, in this film. Hot take. It's very much Melissa McCarthy's phrasing. It's totally Melissa's character from Bridesmaids. Mm, yeah. The like, right, graph, rough around the edges, doesn't fit into the setting. Yeah, it seems like she might have some kind of concealed weapon on her. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and like she knows some really unusual torture techniques that she would casually drop into conversation. It was a, it was a great weird departure for Tina. Yeah, agreed. Um, I also loved the um, scene at Artessa Winery, which is the first winery they visit. And um, I think this bit was improvised. But um, Craig Kukowski, who's the brother of Liz, um, one of the writers, he plays an employee at Artessa Winery. And interestingly, Artessa, of the three wineries they visit, got the most visible branding. Like, you're very aware they're at Artessa. There's, you see it on the shirts and stuff. Um, and he says to Rachel Drafton, Amy Puller's characters, oh, you know, what do you taste? There's no wrong answers. And then everything that Rachel Drafton says, he's like, that's wrong. I loved that. It was good. That's me, by the way. <laughs> Unfortunately, like I don't think I'm a total wine ignoramus, but I'm never going to get the the exact note that the sommelier wants me to get. Like, do you taste the subtle hint of autumn there? No, I don't know. I'm from California. I'm not really sure what autumn tastes like. <laughs> never seen it. Um, yeah, like uh, she goes uh, canned peaches, and he's just like, no, 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 <laughs> you're wrong. It's also great that it's Rachel Dratch that's getting all of that wrong. It's supposed to be her birthday weekend. And she's so good at playing that kind of put upon, again, like kind of Debbie Downer character. Yeah. What did he say? Egregious. Yeah. She goes. Yeah. At one point she says something. He goes, that's egregious. Yeah. And she goes, I taste, I can't remember, lemon. And he goes, well, you smell it. Don't taste it. So I thought that was. Yeah. Grapes. Right. 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 Well, that's a given. (laughs) 
Um, so that I thought that was one of the bright spots of the movie. I think the women in general, I don't think that all of them were necessarily cast in the right parts in mm. this, but it's a delight to see every one of these performers doing anything solo, let alone together. Yeah. And this, this is, we haven't really had a big ensemble comedy that that is, I think, this big that's all women. Maybe since Bridesmaids, there's really like six or seven kind of core female characters we see over and over in this. Yeah, and um, yeah, it, it, the the cast was just great. And um, I I think, to me, one of the great pleasures of watching it was just knowing that in real life they're all friends and that yeah. this really was a trip that this group took. And, and they ad-libbed. I thought all the best parts are probably things that weren't initially in the script and were either part of their real-life wine weekend or something that they ad-libbed. Um, I thought it went well when they were just riffing, and it didn't go well when they were sticking to the plot yeah. and trying to advance. The plot the, is so thin. Yeah. The tarot card thing. Although, um, when I interviewed Rachel Dratch and Liz Kukowski recently, they told me their their weekend truly did involve a tarot card <laughs> yeah. reading. That read so not just wine country, but overall Bay Area. How many parties have we all been to yeah. lately where there's a tarot card reader? Psychic. Or... I mean, and I just, I, sometimes it's, Charming. Sometimes it's like, get away from me, witch. Like, what are, you, <laughs> what are you doing with your negativity and your skull cards and your curses you're putting on us? It's like being in Moonstruck. I had higher hopes for Cherry Jones, too. I was so excited that she was in the movie. She plays the tarot card reader. She's yeah. in it so briefly, yeah. but briefly. she's so wonderful. She's so dead um, opposed to that new agey, touchy-feely yoga instructor voice, tarot card reader that we usually get the, yeah, so I'm really, I'm sensing that there's going to be an, oh, your card, <laughs> it's it's the Persian unicorn eternal card. That means that, and she, no, death, right. just fine. No, really, that's what it means. She was so deadpan. That's, that's the tarot card reader that I think would make it enjoyable for me. I, I liked, too, the... Um and I don't. I read your piece, Esther, and I don't think you're going to agree with me. But I liked the interplay between the wine people who are overly earnest about educating you about wine, and these friends who just want to drink wine and not be bothered. I love the you know. Ugh, I don't want to learn about wine on this trip. And then on the other end, when this guy's trying to help them out and, and teach them, and they walk away, uh, you know, fine, go to a wine store then. You know, I, I thought a lot of those jokes hit and made it a little bit, I don't know, set the movie apart than if it was just about them getting drunk and going through their emotions. I, I actually liked the wine parts, and I thought there was a nice balance of making fun of both sides. So The wine parts were be were better than the emotion parts mm. for yeah. me. Also, I did love, as they were leaving um, one of the vineyards, somebody screaming out after them, hey, we just need your name and social security yeah. numbers, and we're going to sign you up for <laughs> yes. the wine club. I loved that. Is that I yeah. loved that. Did that ring true for you? Well, yes. And of course, the social security number is um, not what they would actually ask. But and I wrote about this in one of my pieces. That totally landed. Every winery you go to, they're just obsessed with getting you to sign up for their wine club. Yeah. 
I also liked the Jason Schwartzman character. Yeah, he's just yeah. this guy that comes along with the house, and they don't know it. I don't want to spoil anything. That rang so true. I thought he was <laughs> super funny, and his endless paella that he's making—that was a great callback. The cuttlefish. So I'd put him like I'd put like Tina Fey one A and Jason Schwartzman one B. He was great too. He's he's not only their cook, but he's their chauffeur, and <laughs> he's driving them around Napa Valley, and they're all trying to figure out their like iPhone photo sharing thing, and he's like, "Oh, can I get on the channel?" <laughs> And then yeah. he's trying to play music, and he's trying to play like Bush, and no one wants to listen he to the music. Every he wants bad to listen to. Yeah. dude band from the late '90s. Yeah. And he's a good character, for sure. All right, what we didn't like, um, Oof. and Esther. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, maybe that sums it up, Tony. Um, okay, so uh, first of all, there were a lot of jokes that didn't land throughout the movie, and there were a lot of times you were just kind of cringing a little bit. Um, they kept laughing at their own jokes in a way that I found a little disconcerting. Yeah, I, I agreed. If you're reacting to the moment, sometimes you're not actually in the moment as a performer. Right. And it, it was off. I didn't know if that was part of fostering the, like, gal-pal kind of vibe. Um, I thought a lot of the characters were kind of caricature-ish. Maybe this was the problem with having so many main characters that yeah, kind of absolutely. shared the bill. But each one of them seemed to fill just a kind of um, archetype. There's the overworked career woman who can't get off the phone with her assistant. There's the strained mom. There's the woman who's in the bad marriage. There's the one who just got laid off from her job. I mean, There's you the just, power lesbian. Right. And you just felt a little bit like, ah, okay, I get you're each a type. Yeah, there were there were too many characters. Four of the characters I counted were one note characters. Mm. Like Amy Poehler is basically Monica from Friends. <laughs> she's, she's overly scheduled and kind of a fuss budget or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, the career woman. And then two of the characters were no note characters. I mean, they didn't have anything about them that was interesting or special well, Emily or Spiffy had to didn't want to come that was her joke that, that was her one the thing one was thing. she's the person who doesn't want to come that's not a character so I, I thought that was it, it felt to me like they wanted all their friends there so they just wrote it around that to the detriment of the movie it felt yeah. a little lazy in some places yeah. though with that lack of character development it really did feel for me like an extended SNL sketch in many of the best jokes in it many of the worst things about how thin the plot and the overall arc was yeah and um none of you know one of the things that's great about that was great to me about bridesmaids um was how true so many of the moments felt i mean exaggerated for comic effect for sure but you were like "Ooh, i've been in that awkward situation while dating or in a group of women where i lack the means of the rest of them and there were there was not one single moment in this film where I was like that captured a kind of crazy specific truth about real life yeah, yeah. I will say in defense of that to some degree that Esther you and I are not quite that age sure. we're off by about 20 years um, the thing that one of the big moments of the movie that I really loathed that I thought made the writers and Amy Poehler as director look really bad was the moment where they start launching into all of the reasons why they can't deal with millennials. and Yeah, that it, scene to me. It was not new. It was not said in a particularly clever way. It's just a really boring trope at this point that I thought was really beneath them. A lot of the bad jokes in this, I just thought, 
these are giants of comedy. They all should have known better. Like, I, they all should have known that that wasn't working. It, it also, I mean, these are giants of comedy, and they should know that the best comedies do have some kind of story involved. Bridesmaid, the Kristen Wiig character, was really relatable and had some, like, serious issues, even though the comedy was the main thing. You need that to support it. I felt like they wrote all these jokes, and then it's like, oh, we gotta have a cancer diagnosis subplot that she's not gonna look at her phone through the entire movie, so. And the bad marriage. The bad marriage, you know. There was no arc in that. You had no sense of why he was a bad husband. They just kept talking about the fact that he was. Um, But, uh, okay, can I now go on a little thing about the wine stuff? So um, I'm watching it being like, this was obviously written by women who go to wine country and don't know anything about wine and didn't even do any research. That's kind of how it read to me. The bit about the organic winery, I mean, there's so many things there that could be hilarious that you could kind of capture well. But one of the running gags in that scene, they visit, they, it's, filmed actually at the real life Baldacci vineyards but they make it into this fictional winery called Morgan Yorn which is a very funny name I have to say but the whole thing there is like they they're saying you can't walk in the vineyards because they're organic and I mean that's literally makes no sense there's you would be more likely to walk in a vineyard that's organic because it hasn't had roundup sprayed all over the place my boyfriend made that exact same point he just said that's not true right I'll defend it though to a degree that you're right you're not wrong, but I feel like if you look at movies that have done this, and you mentioned uh, The Hangover in your mm-hmm, your piece that you mm-hmm. wrote, and like Talladega Nights with auto racing, sometimes the movie, it's almost funnier if they riff off the stereotype as opposed to riffing off the real thing. Sure, sure. And the negative comedy. with that is we've gotten that in journalism movies constantly, mm. is when you riff off the stereotype, then when you're sort of a victim of that stereotype, then you're going to go to the movie and it's going to drive you crazy. But I don't know if that makes the movie worse. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's maybe my own little personal gripe that I have to come to terms with. And maybe that would be true about any movie where you're you're part of the inner circle. Yeah. I mean, you know, the 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 one with journalists, you know, that, that journalists sleep with their sources and that yeah. they have, they, oh, we, all yeah. have, we all have big offices and our desks are all clean. And we're smoking and uh, drinking coffee all day long. And they, well, in bourbon. In a comedy, <laughs> in a broad comedy, if they actually did a realistic portrayal, I think it might actually hurt the comedy. But I'm so. willing to forgive Excellent that point. when it's heightened and it is, it's funny. It, this just what this just felt like oh was such an eye there were so many eye roll moments in this and that should never happen in a movie with this many talented people in it yeah it was the thing about the organic vineyard there were some moments in that that I know were heightened that I thought were funny the thing about the um, wine diamonds at the bottom of the glass the sediment yeah I thought but I thought the funniest part in that scene was when she was asking them to all guess what um, the sediment at the what the technical name was <laughs> yeah. for the sediment at the bottom of the bottle and she by the way was kind of half right about the actual name of that not entirely right but they I assume a lot of that was ad living they're yelling out mud minerality I thought that was funny. I mean, I was like, that was the funny part was where they're kind of like flailing all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And when it comes to heightening industries on film, I want to say as somebody that writes about fashion, I do find a lot of movies about fashion that are not 100% accurate to be 
hysterically funny. Zoolander mm. is not an like, accurate depiction right, of the modeling right, right. industry and fashion week, but I laugh. And the same with the, with um, the Devil Wears Prada, quite frankly. But the thing that allows those movies to get away with heightening things is that they do start with, I think, a basic understanding of something essential about these industries and they expand it from there. This, to me, did not feel like it had a real core of truth to it, even though this was an experience all these women had. I think also Devil Wears Prada and even Zoolander, buried in there, there's a respect for the industry. Mm-hmm. And and I felt like here, this is kind of a subtle thing, but these characters approached everything so negatively like you were invited to this art gallery and then you're going to crap all over it in front of these people who like it and just about everywhere they go they kind of wreak havoc in a way that the restaurant the restaurant like they're bad columbuses are we allowed to say that about this (laughs) they go into a place that is not their own and they sort of try and steal the culture and then make fun of it or 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 do their you know they've got all their inside jokes and their inside jokes involve singing a big birthday song that's disrupting everybody else's meal and just one time like if it's done for comedy I understand but the entire movie had this approach like there wasn't even anything wrong with that that it was kind of a cool thing to do to just go into an area and make fun of it and ruin everybody else's good time. They kind of acted like toxic bros. Like maybe yes. that's the thing that was the most disappointing to me about this is that it didn't seem to have any of the essential kind of truth or yeah compassion in the humor that I associate with all of these women so much. Um, By the way, we've all been somewhere, maybe. It's not wine country, but it's definitely a restaurant or quite possibly a gay bar where there is that group of women. And they're all singing and they're trying to get on stage and it's my turn to do karaoke, guys. I'm going to sing my song. And And everybody around them is just looking to the wait staff like can you do something Try, trying to create a moment with volume as opposed to you know yeah. content yeah. well so in that sense i i do think and this this gets to another piece i wrote which maybe we'll talk about it later how this kind of portrays the way women ought to interact with wine and with visiting napa valley but um there are a lot of groups of women who come to napa and treat it like their playground and I think that's its own kind of trope. I mean, you could kind of imagine the the actresses on their trip maybe taking over someplace by needing to take, you know, do their song. And, uh, yeah. But I mean, that we would love. I mean, if we were at a winery and Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, and sure. Tina Fey decided they wanted to start doing their Supremes number, we would be thrilled. Yeah, but not if they were some random exactly. group of women. But I do think... Um, What I'm trying to say is I think there's a little there's this kind of cultural trope now of the loud, drunken group of women who visit wine country and do exactly that. Well, let's talk about that now. Um, You know, I guess my question with that is, is okay. I agree. Is that is that something that maybe the wine industry might want? Yeah, I I mean, I did a little bit of research while I was writing this piece about this last week because um, I, you know, to me, the movie actually it, it 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 pokes fun at this in a way that I think is maybe um, a little bit more sophisticated maybe than it deserves credit for. But um, <laughs> I do think the wine industry promotes itself as a haven for women to uh, interact with as in this kind of hyper feminized 
ditzy way that I really hate. Um, more women drink wine in the U.S. than men do. It's uh, by about a percentage difference of about 20. It's like 60 to 40. And more women visit Napa Valley every year than men. And yet, men buy expensive wine, women buy cheap wine. Women, when they come to Napa, the types of information that's uh, targeted at them is how to go buy organic soaps and go buy tchotchkes in downtown Napa and go shopping, where they're not, you know, the idea of them going to wineries in a kind of more rigorous way where you could try to really understand the wine, uh, which I think is really fun. Maybe a lot of other people think that sounds boring and like a punishment, but um, that's not really being made available to women in the same way that it is well, to that men. strikes me is institutionalized sexism, yeah. which part of my problem with this movie, even though it was made by women, was that a lot of the way they portrayed these tropes about women and wine and women together especially felt like a little cringy and slightly colored by you know, living in a misogynist society. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the idea that by the end of a day with your girlfriends, you're so drunk that you get up to sing happy birthday to your friend or eternal love, whatever she sang, sings, Maya Rudolph, and that falls was, That off. was one of the moments that I actually laughed very hard, though, even though it was, a, it was not a brilliant comic moment. Oh, yeah. That's how desperate I was to laugh at times. <laughs> yeah, but I just, I hate the idea that um, the way women interact with wine country with visiting Napa is by getting Chardonnay drunk and singing to their friends and falling over and breaking the rules by going in the vineyards. I mean, is there not a more serious way that women might try to understand this incredible, fascinating thing. I'm a proselytizer here, I know. Well, I, <laughs> that kind of leads us to what I think is going to be our last question, and it's kind of a big picture question. Is this film good or bad for Napa? And and that's two parts. Um, do we think it's good for Napa, and does Napa think it's good for Napa? Which I think goes to some of what you were just talking about, Esther. I'm sure Napa thinks it's good for Napa, and I'm sure it's good for Napa tourism, but I'm not sure it's ultimately a good thing for women who love wine. Um, I think it kind of perpetuates this stereotype of what a girl's trip to Napa should be. And um, I, I mean, I think to some degree, any wine region does this. And um, wine, you know, this is bigger than the the marketing efforts of Visit Calistoga, the local tourism board. Um, but I I think Napa in particular has, you know, I love that women want to visit Napa. I think that's so cool. I love that the, the idea of the Napa girls trip has become a trope. Um, but I just wish that it wasn't so one note and kind of presumed a lack of intellectual interest in what Napa has to offer. I think it's unfortunate that this movie is called Wine Country, actually, and that it's not really about wine country. It's about um, a a ladies' weekend uh, with a group of friends that really could have been anywhere. It any kind of touristy mm-hmm. mecca. It could have been upstate New York, and they could have been drinking a lot of cider the whole time. Quite it could frankly. have been Nashville. <laughs> you know the late in life bachelorette party. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I think ultimately it it might be good for kind of some immediate tourism. I don't think that this is a movie that people are going to revisit though very much except mm. as maybe a footnote that it was Amy Poehler's first directorial effort. I hope that um when they talk about it they say 
you know, wine country was not the best. But then she made 900 amazing movies after that that were instant classics. Let's hope. Let's hope. Well, summing it up, um, Little Man Sitting, Oof, and uh, oof. Tina Fey was great. And <laughs> Jason thank, Schwartzman was great. Jason Schwartzman was great. And uh, thank you both for coming on the Datebook Podcast. Thanks, thank Peter. you. This was fun. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Tony Bravo and Esther Mobley. Our producer today is me, Peter Hartlob. Supervising producers are King Kaufman and Libby Coleman. Executive producer is Tim O'Rourke. And our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is Mozart Symphony 40 in G minor by Blue Dot Sessions. Read our columns and subscribe to the Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. Chronicle podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S.